0: Welcome to the teaching ministry of Pastor Michael Jacobs.
1: We know you'll be blessed by today's message. Kind of an introductory scripture to you. And as we get started, Ephesians chapter 4, If you'll look, we'll look into King James first, and then we'll look at an alternative translation here that uh, I think will be helpful to us. And uh, I'm just so thrilled that you want to be mentored. You know, what what mentoring means is you want to learn, you want to grow, you want to expand. You're not, ha- you're not satisfied with just being Sunday go to meeting Christians. Uh, you're not satisfied for these preachers that they're just, uh, and they're not, but they're not satisfied to just be where they're at. They want to stretch. They want to grow. They want to increase. And for me too. And all of us, whatever our role may be or whatever we will end up doing in life, that we are wanting to be accountable to somebody, and we want somebody to speak into our life on a different level than just maintaining. Amen. We don't want to just maintain. We want to increase. We want to grow. We want to expand. Amen. And, you know, um, you know, so many things that we don't see is because we don't see it. And the reason we don't see it, we haven't been challenged to see it, or we didn't think it could be done, or we didn't think out of the box, or we didn't use our faith, or, you know, all kinds of stuff like that. I remember back four or five, six years ago. You know, I was uh, really had it in my heart to have a some sort of a publication company, and uh, uh, you know that kind of thing. And so, uh, but it isn't all about just me. I just wanted to see somebody in our camp have one. And and Brother Sean, he just started coming along, helped me with my books. Helping other people with their books, and I, I discerned something in him that he had the administrative ability, and he had the the discernment to help people put stuff in print that wouldn't. Now you got to understand why way I'm saying this, and not have just his flavor. We needed his expertise in grammar and in sentence, sentence construction and and how things flow, but don't want to lose out that it's my book or it's whoever's book. You know, you want the, their personality on it. And I noticed that he had the discrimination to do that, but the main thing I noticed, he could be corrected, but really not corrected, but be addressed without being offended all the time. You know, if, you, if you're if you really helping me personally, and most of you, you know, you do help me in a generic way, but you know what I mean. My staff or people really close to me, and I say, well, that's not what I want, then if you're a touchy-feely person, you may, that'd be the last thing you do for me with a good attitude. Or you got to go home, you go to the bathroom and cry about it. And and see, you know, those kind of people never get very far. Yeah. Now, we're not trying to be rude. We're not trying to be mean in saying that. But the reason we have these kind of covers is you don't realize that sometimes Sean maybe give me <laughs> six or eight of them and I say, no, trash, shred it, shred it, shred it. It's too dark. It's not what I want. I want it. And, you know, I don't have to ever worry with him that he's going to get offended and turn in his resignation the next day or come in pouting. Because I've had ex-staff members that were pouty. I mean, they needed to be on Riddlin or something. I don't know. what. No, I'm telling you, and some of them need to be now maybe. I don't know. And I don't know if they're staff members, but just people. You can't ever talk to them with any kind of straightness because they're such touchy people. And, of course, they make poor employees. They make poor believers because they never go anywhere beyond what, because it's all about them and their feelings. So here's my point. You know, I saw something in Brother Sean, and I told doctor that. I said, you could tell him whatever you want. He won't, he won't be offended. If it's not what you want, tell him it's not what you want. He'll make it what you want, or he'll tell you he can't do it either way, but you'll know the honest truth. Then I, then I ran and told Sean that so he'd know. Yeah. <laughs> Told yeah. So anyway, he started a company, you know, uh, what's it called? Rock House Publishing. It's not about me. He's, and I believe God's going to anoint as is anointing it and going to use him uh, all over the planet. And of course, our goal, you know, it's his company. It's not my company. But I encouraged him to go ahead and pursue that. And uh, our goal eventually is to have him represent me and other authors to bigger companies. Because see, when you call a company and you're just an author, they they're not too impressed with you, unless you're you know uh, what's her name, the lady on TV, Joyce Meyer, Joyce Meyer or T.D. Jakes or somebody or Benny Hinn or somebody that sells millions of books every year, <laughs> then they'll talk. Or Joel Steen, yeah. <laughs> But uh, guys like me at the, this level, you know, they're not too impressed if you got a couple books under your belt. They want like 20, 30 t- titles, or fifteen authors, or yeah, how much you got in your publishing house. You know that you could, we could help you distribute. You know things like that. So I just see. Remember this: God always is interested in substance, but that's it. The rest of the world's interested in image. You need to get that straight. You know, and we're not compromising with the world to be worldly, but if you don't have the right image, my friend, you're not going nowhere. You're definitely not going to go anywhere without substance because that'll all come to the surface just like this touchiness. See, I'm already into stuff here. I'm just trying to read a scripture. But, you know, that's the way the world is, and, and uh, you know, man, I have been, well, i get going to get political, but I'll just let that go. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, we're talking about, though, we're talking... Well, the reason I'm saying all this is we're talking about increase and expansion right. and thinking different and thinking out of the box. Yeah. You know, the world's not impressed that I'm a preacher or if I'm living right or, you know, that kind of stuff. I mean, you know, they're, they're not interested really in any of that. They They just, you know, like the bank. They don't care... How I live, really? They just want to know how much money I got and how many people attend my church and how much the tithe is and how much. See, that's uh, they're, they're just bank people, yeah. and they may be Christians too. But when it comes to their bank, they're going to judge me on their banking credentials and my financial resume, and they don't care about anything else. Right. Hallelujah. Hallelujah! It's just the way they think. Yeah. You know, you just have to. You you can fight it, or you can get mad about it, or frustrated, or you can just realize that just be intelligent and realize the way that the other person's thinking and it doesn't make them right and sure don't make them spiritual but that's just the way it is and you just do what you need to do and believe god and god will help you hallelujah well that's all free and we already got off the ground didn't we i don't know why how me to say all that about brother sean but we're just encouraged that uh, that he's on staff with us and stuff and we're just talking about being, being stretched. Amen. Not stretched in a bad way, but we, we want to grow up. Let, and this is, brings me to our verse here, Ephesians 4. If you look at this with me from King James, first of all. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints. And, of course, I've mentioned this before. The word perfect there is the word in the Greek New Testament maturing we would translate it better, for the maturing of the saints, for the work of the ministry. In other words, for their part of what they're called to do in the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ. You know, Brother Sean's sitting back there. He's not got a mic. And Brother Steve's in the sound booth. And, uh, you know, Brother Dale, he's sitting over here, but he was in my office ready for me, you know, and different things. Uh, These gentlemen are not up front today, but they're a part of this ministry for this class. Amen brother brother Sean's taking role and collecting money or whatever he does back there you know things of that nature brother Dale's here to assist me if when I come in if I need something I can say hey go get me a this or that or help me and brother Steve's helping us with the sound thing today and stuff like that see you know they're all a part of the ministry here that's right amen and so but this this uh we have these i think in our bookstore these uh, temporary parallel New Testament. And there was one here, the message is interesting, and I don't agree with the message on some of some their translation, but this was interesting, to wait verse 12 that they put it, to train Christians, this is where I'm going today, to train Christians in skilled servant work. In other words, to train people that they would not just be doing something, but they would be skilled at what they do. And then it says, working within Christ's body, the church, until we're all moving Rhythmically and easily with each other. see here's another issue getting along with everybody. efficient and graceful in response to God's Son and, and fully mature adults, that's it right there, fully mature adults, fully developed within and without, fully alive like Christ. So this is this is part of our goal today to and, and in the mentoring class, this kind of a teaching of whatever we share, is to help us to get to where we're skilled in what we do and that we're fully mature adults, fully developed, fully developed within and without. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, let's go to one other verse back here in Romans, and I just feel led to share this a minute if it's okay with you. Uh, about something and, and we're going to it's going to be a little piecemeal for the first session and then maybe we'll settle down and get on something more consistent but <clears throat> I want to share some thoughts and different things you know when I think about mentoring I write down things mm-hmm. or I may be in another meeting and there's a comment made or a thought projected through the speakers or I may be at a dinner table in the back room and it, it may be Dr. Dufrain if I'm with him it usually is but could be some other preacher. It could be the person getting up, giving an announcement, says something, and it goes off in me. Amen, I need to write that down. And so I compile stuff, and of course we can teach, and we will get into some teaching today, but I'm just trying to show you that this may be a composite of several different things. And I do want to talk, if I have time this morning, and I think I will, on impartations and protecting divine supplies. I don't think, I don't know that we put you guys are a step above most because you're paying to come to class because you're you're coming uh, hopefully with this mindset and if you don't know it, uh, you are getting an impartation by what we're saying and then by anything else that comes by the Holy Ghost during these sessions. Amen. It may come through prophecy or tongues interpretation could come through laying on of hands, word of knowledge mm-hmm. and different things like that. And sometimes, you know, for me, uh, you know, because of the... Uh, ministry we're called to, sometimes I'll slip into that prophet's ministry and begin to preach on a different level just because that's a higher anointing than the pastor amen, amen. or a teacher, whatever. It's not, it's not more important. It's just a different kind of anointing. That's right. And so, you know, when people kind of come in this setting, then we're here to be open, to be taught and to be trained and to be mentored. Mm-hmm. You know, mentored. Right. And of course, you know, just coming's only a, the first step of it. You know, we, we come and then we hear and then we hear and do, hopefully. Or we apply it. We say, well, how can I apply what pastor's saying? Like, for example, what I was telling about Sean, and there's a few others I could mention, but few in a church of 300 that I could say anything to and they won't be offended. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm just being honest because people have to deal with their feelings and if I'm too direct, and that's kind of my personality and I have to temper that sometimes. I know you think I don't, but... Ask my wife. I'm tempering it down all the time. Cause, and and I was with Pastor Wayne, and he was we were teasing each other. We were getting close to each other. And I said, you think I was too intense? He goes, no, but you're always intense. <laughs> I said, I don't know if you just give me a compliment or you just insulted me. Or, you know, I was teasing with him. And I, that's just kind of me. I don't mean to be that way. It's not like I set out to maybe ruffle anybody's feathers or to be... Abrupt. That's not my my uh, calling in life, or I'm not trying to just be abrupt with people or whatever. But you know, uh, you know, I'm not uh, I'm not ashamed to ho- to say something sometimes. I know Lat- we called ahead for a restaurant last night. We took the preachers out to dinner and uh, things like that. And they, you know, we told them there was how many of us and a baby, and they put us in a corner in a little booth. And I said, you know, this is just not going to work. And they act like, oh, my God, we're going to have to call corporate on it. you know? I, and I was really pretty nice about it. And I felt like saying, what's the matter with you people? I called two days ago. My staff called and made arrangements. You got us back here in a little cubby hole, man. We can't already eat our food. <laughs> we hadn't ordered yet, thank God. But anyway, I said, I don't think this is going to work. And they had three or four big tables open. See, and sometimes some people wouldn't have said anything. They would just sit there and you know, try to eat their food. <laughs> This is great, isn't it? <laughs> and I wasn't being mean. I just said, I don't think this is going to work, you know. Uh, Do you have any other options for us or something to that effect? you, you know? And I said, I so and I said my son-in-law's coming, and he's a me. pretty good-sized guy, you know. <laughs> he's tall and everything. And I said, this is just going to be really crowded. But anyway, and it wasn't like we were at McDonald's either. Or Frisch's or something, you know. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, I'm went around the world, I'm just getting this introduced here. But but see, sometimes you know what I'm saying is we need to realize that we, we need to be challenged. We, we we you know, this is how I grow, this is how everybody really grows if you think about it. Not 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 to be rude to people. That's not our intent. And and we, we even gave the guy a good a good uh, tip. Well they made us, but you know. <laughs> Because we had that many people, they automatically put it in the bill. I'd say fifty dollars is a pretty good tip. That's what it was. So, um, and he wasn't too friendly, and uh, he he wasn't real cooperative sometimes, you know. And you know when you're see see here's the thing, when we go see we need to realize I know this is you say what's this got to do with Jesus? Well, I don't know, but just get it. <laughs> No, you're the customer. That's right. You know, and the manager came over to us and said, you know, we he was telling us we couldn't do what we were asking him. He, oh, we can do that. And he looked at the guy like, Get it together, buddy.
0: And that guy acted frustrated with him.
1: Yeah. I bet they had a little talk in the kitchen later. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm not complaining, I'm talking about what's right. And and but we gotta see now if the in. If I was the manager, I would have said, I want to see you later before you go home tonight. You don't do customers this way in this type of restaurant. Now, I don't know, you know, maybe you're on medication or maybe your wife left you <laughs> maybe your children are in a drug rehab. I don't know. and Let me pray with you. But this is not the way we treat people that are putting out three dollars or $400 to eat a meal. So I'm just talking straight here. And it's not like we were at some cheap dive or even a mediocre restaurant. And we, you know, I'm not complaining, I'm just saying, see, see, but see, see, people that are in managerial positions need to challenge their people under them either to come up or get out. If you can't conduct yourself like a professional, then you're in the wrong line of business. What is it? McCain says, you know, if they're bad teachers, let them find another line of work. I got that in anyway, didn't I? (laughs) You don't mind me being straight, do you? We're just talking here. I'm not mad at the waiter. You know, maybe he had issues that I'm not aware of. But, you know, you've got to realize that we, we only grow when we're challenged to grow. Amen. That's right. And if nobody ever points things out, I like what Pastor, she's very diplomatic, Pastor Nancy. She, you know, in a, some ways she said, you know, it's not the things that we know and are doing right that's tripping us up. It's the things that we don't understand or we're not fully flowing with or maybe we don't understand how to do that yet that's causing us to be tripped up. And and this is not a corrective class. I hope I'm not coming across that way. I'm just saying if you relax and let me speak into your life and share some things beyond maybe what we would typically say on a Sunday, although we, we feel like we do our best to be very genuine and forthright, but this is a different level. So I'm in Romans 12. I'm going to get this in you, and then we'll get moving here. Romans 12, verse 1 and 2. Uh, and in thinking about it, maybe we could back it up just a second, pick up in chapter 11, verse 29. Romans 11:29. For the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. And I'm picking that up because, you know, in just 4, or 5, 6 verses, he's down into chapter 12. And as we pointed out before, the books of the New Testament were... One letter written at one time, typically. Now, that's not true of the Psalms and a couple other maybe exceptions, but um, th- this was one letter written to the church at Rome. So he was talking about gifts and callings here. And, and again, whether we're fivefold ministers or we're ministry of helps, we have a ministry. You know, Brother Sean's back there, he's taking notes, he's done his uh, other administrative duties. Brother Dale's sitting over here, and he's probably taking notes and listening. And Brother, uh, Brother Steve's in the back, and he's making sure everything's okay on the sound. See, they're in the ministry with me right now, and so are you. And it says here, the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. And then he gets into chapter 12 and verse 1 and 2 and says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So we're going to have to do something with our bodies. We're going to have to bring our bodies in line with the Word of God. We're going to have to uh, know how we spend our time. That's another factor about our bodies. Man, this thing, you know, you just need so much maintenance with it sometimes. I was thinking about that the other day. Once we get to heaven, hopefully we won't have all that maintenance. (laughs) It just takes an immense amount of time to look nice and smell nice and all those things. <laughs> and, 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 and then how we spend our time in our bodies and not giving our bodies over to things we should not. That's another issue there, but we're talking about ministry right now. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Notice that. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove, or a better word might be know, what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, I'm going to get into teaching here in a minute, but I wanted to point this out, the perfect will of God. There is a perfect will of God for you Amen. and for me. Amen. And that within that perfect will of God is everything that we need to know from God. I mean, when we move in that, and it's it, we can tell from this, it's uh, good, acceptable, and perfect. I mean, we may say it this way: it's progressive. Yes. You don't start out in the perfect will of God. None of us do. We come to Jesus, and we got we got issues, or we got baggage, or we got something. You know, our minds haven't been renewed yet. So we've got the thinking of the world in us, or we got the thinking of what religion taught us. But when we come into Jesus Christ. That's the first step towards getting in the will of God. That is the will of God that all be saved. We know that. But not only that, but there's the thing of getting in the perfect will of God. Now, there's something I've learned that I'm going to just say it. It's not in my notes. I want to just talk about it a minute. And that is you have to be willing to change to stay in the perfect will of God. You know, I mean, I've been doing a lot of things the last few years and things and And I'm at a point right now where I'm making some adjustments and changes right now in my life, right now at this season. And I'm looking into the future, which I always do. That's just me. You know, Pastor would tell you, I'm way out there two, three, four years down the road, what I'm thinking sometimes. I don't think about it every day, but I do think about it. Where am I going? What am I going to do about this or that or the other? What am I going to need to do to accomplish that? And and then I'd be thinking along that line, because i got to start right now to prepare myself. Right. See, and that's something you're doing, and she brought that out. Uh, you know, preparing, what did you say? I, the first thing you said, train like you mean it. <clears throat> Brother Hagan always said, preparation time is never lost time. Amen. So all the time you come to mentoring, maybe not everything I'm saying, uh, you know, uh, it just fits you perfectly for the moment, but it fits somebody. And probably more often than not, everything I'm saying hits most of you yeah. on some areas. Yeah, sir. There's a perfect will of God to walk in with your health. There's a perfect will to walk in with the renewing of your mind where you begin to be sound. Yeah. There's a perfect will of God like I was bragging a little bit on Sean, you know, where you could not be so touchy if that's you. Now, I know nobody's going to tell me they're touchy. So just, I'm smart enough to realize you're not going to tell me you're a carnal bucket or you're not an emotional bucket or you're not, you know, you're not moved all the time by your feelings. But the truth is, most believers are moved by everything but the Spirit of God, including the preacher sometimes. I'm not talking to this group. I'm talking to all of us in a generic way. I mean, I've had preachers, better preachers than me could preach circles around me. I'm thinking of one man. He was, he was a great preacher, but... He had never be settled. I mean, he'd be pastor in one year, and the next year he'd be over in some other state doing something else, and the next year he'd be being an evangelist, and the next year he'd be a Bible school director and professor, and the next year he'd be starting another church. And he couldn't ever get settled. He couldn't ever figure out what he's supposed to do. And all I'm saying is that might be okay if you're just starting out the first three or four years of ministry, but this guy had been in the ministry 25 years and still making those kind of crazy decisions. I mean, either you're not paying attention or you're not listening or you're not doing what you're told to do. I mean, God is not that schizophrenic. I can guarantee that. I mean, even Kroger has better sense than that. They build a store and they use it. And then sometimes they shuck it and gut it and sell it. But if it's making money, they leave it there forever. Same for Walgreens and stuff. You see, they may update it. You see what I'm saying. And so, anyway, we're talking about getting in the perfect will of God. This is what I'm trying to hit on today, and I'll hit it from about 20 different directions before we get out of here. But we've got to see that there is a perfect will of God to be, in. this is what I'm saying. You know, right now I'm I'm at a place in my life, and I've been uh, praying about some things, and the Lord said, "I want you to, uh, I don't want you to go there, and I want you to ask that person if you can come some other time, and I want you to change your schedule for a while." Now I've kept some meetings, and I deleted some others. And I thought you were called to do both. I am, but I'm not called to... Uh, I'm called to obey God, first of all.
0: Yes, sir. That's right. Amen. Amen.
1: That's right. Hallelujah. That's right. So we So here's my point. You've got to learn to be changeable, not, not flighty, but listening to God ongoingly if you're going to get in the perfect will of God. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be as focused as I can be. You know, just like we had the Bible school. I think the Bible school is wonderful. I love to be in the Bible school setting. And uh, it was productive and it was fruitful. And we had some good good uh, professors. Uh, we, Not just me, but others that taught, I mean. And and it was doing what it was called to do. But after a while, the Lord said, okay, you, I don't want you to do that for a while. Hold up on that. I want you to stay with the mentoring. And if he said, this is the last year for this... For a while, that's fine with me, too. Or if he says, I want you to add another hour on the mentoring, that's fine, too. Pastor Diana, she'd been, she, you know, of course, she's not got, but she just said, you know, you ought to maybe. I'm definitely not. Okay, that's you're that's not? True. Okay, we want to make sure of that. <laughs> she said, you know, when people come, you ought to maybe add another hour on that. So I don't know. We're not trying to push anybody into oblivion. That's not it. But she's thinking you only have it once a month. And, and, you know, I'll pray about it and see what the Lord chokes me eventually. But right now, we're just going to do what we're doing through the end of this year. And then I plan to have them entering, in, you know, on from January to May. I may skip January. I don't know yet. I, that's what I'm saying. I'm not, I'm not flighty, but I'm willing to change whatever God tells me to change. And this is the thing I see sometimes. Yes. People get set in something and they, yes. are, they are unmovable in the wrong way. You know, the 1 the uh, Corinthians 15 says, Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Not something you thought about. The work of the Lord that He's telling you to do. That's, right. Amen. that's what I'm to abound in. Amen. And that's what I'm to be unmovable about. But, not, right. but other things can shift or move or change somewhat.
0: Right.
1: Hallelujah. See, I'm just talking about being in the perfect will of God. And there is a perfect will of God for every person. You know, and, and this is so vital for it. This is why, you know, people come into the church, uh, new people particularly. We, we want to encourage them, you know, to be sure if this is where they need to hook up. Because we, we don't want them to be embarrassed. And we don't want to feel like we can trust them. And we don't want people to say, oh this is a great pastor and then they're here two months and then they flake out and they're offended and they run all we call them and they say, well I'm not coming back, I'm going over here. And again most of them never tell you the truth anyway why they did that. But see that that kind of silliness and foolishness has got to stop. People have to be uh, I remember a pastor I went to preach for him Uh, I just got a great report from him. But anyway I just went to preach for him this year, I think it was this year and um, didn't know him, just met him. And, and then we talked after I was there. We talked while I was there. I think these pastors are with me. And he said, you know, I'm praying about whether to hook up or not. I said, well, you take as long as you want. I'm not trying to solicit other sons per se. I'm not out trying to get other people. Be in my group, be in my group. That's not my MO. But if you want a father, I mean, I'd be honored to father you and help you, you and your wife. You know, because I could tell, and these gentlemen, we We're just talking that he didn't have that in his life. He had acquaintances, he knew people, he knew other preachers, but nobody really he was listening specifically to and accountable to and that was speaking into his life. So we we talked on the phone after I left, and, and he said, you know, Pastor, I just want to... And he brought it up, I didn't. He said, I just, I really enjoyed meeting you and being with you, and I'm reading your book, and my wife and I, and... Uh, he said, I just want to be sure. And I said, I'd want you to be sure. I'd rather you take six months or six years to be sure than to tell me you want to hook up and then in three months tell me you're going to disconnect because I can guarantee you I'm going to confront you if you do that to me. I'm going to ask you, well, why, are you, why did you say you wanted to and now you just pulled away so quickly? I said, because I'll be a father to you and the father will find out why his son's acting so weird. So if you're not sure, or if you're uncomfortable with something, or if you need to ask me something up front, maybe I can help you. I think you know you you know just meeting me, you probably know I'm pretty straight shooter. I, I don't beat around the bush. I, I'm gonna love you. I'll support you. I'll help you. You know what I mean? Support you like you know spiritually and things like that. But I said that has to be your call, sir. You know I, you know you just have to figure. But if it's not me, read my book because you need a spiritual father. And, and this is a thing that will help you move forward with your church. Amen. As much as, you know, you're integrous and you seem like you have a good marriage and you love God and, you know, but you need somebody to speak into your life. Amen. Amen. See, we're talking about being in the perfect will of God. That's right. That's right. Amen. See, here's a little thought like, you know, and, and I'm just talking. I'm not picking. I'm not picking on anybody. So this person asked me to come to their church and, and uh, I went and... Uh, so I went out to my tape table after the I think it was the Saturday night service and his wife was standing there this is a pastor's wife and I said uh, something like you know I enjoyed uh, you singing tonight and I enjoyed meeting you and you know she sat at the table with me and, and uh, her husband I think the pastor sat there too and, and uh, I said well I'll see you in the morning and she said well I'll be back with the kids I said you what? She said, I'm supposed to be back with the kids. I said, would you mind if I talk to the pastor about that? No. And she smiled. <laughs> and I said, I'm going to tell you why. I said, I came to be with you and your husband, and if you're back in the back room and I get something, then I've got to go hunt you out. And I said, I'd like to talk to your husband. I have your permission to do that? Yes, sir. So I went and found the pastor, and I said, could you step into my office a minute right over here? I said, now, Pastor, if I'm overstepping my boundary, you just tell me that I'm overstepping it and I'll back off this. But I said, here's the thing. I just talked to your wife. She said she's back in the back. Now, I noticed you had in the meeting tonight, you had about 10 ladies here. Couldn't you switch one of those ladies out with her since she's the pastor? I mean, doesn't she help you? Yes, sir. I said, put her in the service with you and put You guys sit up where I can get a hold of you if I need to. I mean, didn't you, you ask me to come? I said, you know, she's back with the kids. I mean, it's commendable she's working with the kids, but you, 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 you paid the money to bring me here and, and, you know, and asked me to come, and I don't, I would like that change. Could you do that? Yes, sir. I said, all right, thanks. So then we went on, you know, and we had the Sunday morning. See, I'm just being a little, I'm, I'm just trying to help him. See, he, he doesn't realize that that's an issue yet. I've done that to other sons. I said, don't put your wife back with the preschoolers. I don't care if she's the director of all the children. Put one of your ladies back there for that sir. I'll give her a free tape of the service. I'll, whoever you put back there, they can come get something off my table for free. I'll be a blessing. But I need your wife out there with you. Amen. You guys, if you don't get it, nobody gets it. Amen. You know? <laughs> See, but he 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 wasn't thinking in that framework. I wasn't being intrusive and if he would said pastor listen I pastor this church I ask you to be the guest just back off I would have said fine or he would have been more diplomatic and let me know that that's none of my business great I'll still be friendly I'll still preach the word and take my offering go home no problem Amen. come back if you ask me yeah. to properly unless I think you're just mean <laughs> no I'm not going to suck my thumb and get all been, so you know anyway we went on I'm just talking here about being in the perfect will of God now, just a little illustration This none of these are in my notes I'm just talking off the cuff so anyway they have praise and worship and they got a guy that talks for 20 minutes in between every song almost I don't know and he's not saying nothing meaningful and uh, so his wife had sung the night before and so after the morning service which was a wonderful service And we had lunch, we're having lunch, and I said to to the lady, I said, do you sing other songs too, do you other specials and stuff? Yes, sir. And so I looked at the pastor, I said, do you think it'd be all right to have your wife sing tonight before I preach? Mm -hmm. Again, I'm not trying to be intrusive, but I mean, she helped me last night, and I think she could help me tonight. He said, yeah, that'd be great. And I could tell, boy, she just sat up straighter. No, we're not being a critiquer of everything, but we're, we're trying to help him see, and, and I figured he wanted the best out of me, and, and she was helping pull the best out of me because she had some anointing on her to sing. Amen. Amen. And a praise and worship leader, I don't know what he was doing for sure. He was trying to lead praise and worship and everything, and, and then he and I talked later about that. See here. Here was another issue. See, talking about the perfect will of God. Say, well, Pastor, you sound like you just went in there and told him what to do. That's exactly right. Mm -hmm. That's what wise people do when they see somebody struggling, tripping uh, over—not one speed bump, fifteen of them. Yeah, that's good. And he, and then he came to me. I don't know if the pastors—they may have been present. I don't remember if this conversation occurred in front of them, but they said, you know, I, I. I don't know what to do about my praise and worship leader. I said, well, first of all, is he doing what helps you? And he said, no. And I said, well, then you're responsible. It's not his fault. Sit him down and talk to him. If he if he don't take it well, fire him. You know, don't be mean about it, but just say, I think we're going to do something different here for a while. Because, you know, he's singing... You know, whatever he's doing, is not helping you. It's evident. You brought it to my attention. I said, and you're responsible. It's not his problem that he's got a, He's limping around and talking in between every song. And it has no continuity, the praise and worship. The three songs before he sang didn't have any flow to it. And... Is, is it what you want? No, sir. That's why I'm asking you. I said, well, it's your fault. It's not his fault. You need to tell him and put things down in writing. This is what I want you to do. And this and if you need to, this is what I don't want you to do. He's not the pastor. You are. He don't need to be preaching in between songs. But see, I could tell when I first met him, he was going to tell me at dinner he joined us. You men were with me. You know, he was called, and anointed, and appointed. and <laughs> It's like one lady preacher, when I had her, I won't have her back probably, but anyway, she came one time, she had her, her and her husband, she had a resume, it's about five pages long. And one of my associates read it and said, why would we need anybody else in the body of Christ with her? <laughs> <laughs> no, really. I mean, it just went on and on and on and on about her. She did it all. <laughs> when her old song, he can do it all. Well, she should have went, she could do it all. Da 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 da. Now you know, there's a little bit on the back of these about me and a little bit, but you know, it's a paragraph or two. This was like five pages <laughs> of what all she was anointed to do and her conquest and I don't know. It's kinda of funny, but it was true and my staff said, Man, we don't need anybody but her according to these papers, man. And there's a point to put the things that you are anointed to do and to be concise. We're not saying that's not that's not bad or wrong, but you know, you gotta be careful that you don't come across to people. And you may think, you know, I was out of line after telling you all this, but I mean here's a young guy in his young thirties. He'd been in he'd been actually in that church two years, said he'd been preaching twelve, but he hadn't pastored, see. There's a big difference in preaching and pastoring. You know. Yeah. Even the guys that fill this pulpit, uh, you know, most of them don't know anything about pastoring. They might do a good job teaching you something, and we're thankful they do. But that's a whole other realm when we put you in the, you know, batter's cage as a pastor as opposed to just getting up and preaching some notes you studied. That's a whole other. Anyway, he's young, and his wife's young, and she's only 27 or 8, I don't think. And he asked me. He started asking me. The smart ones asked me. As some questions. What do you think about this? What do you think about that? I wasn't trying to, you know, when I don't get off the plane and say, now this is what I want you to do, I don't do stuff like that. But as we're learning to have a relationship, like the thing about his wife, I felt she needed to be there. And, and by the way, I did get a word for both of them and ministered to them, and they started bawling. Remember that? Especially her. That Sunday morning. Now you know I could have maybe still given the word. Okay, go get the pastor's wife. We'll hold up in here. One of you ladies go trade her out for whatever she's doing. But she's she's cold to what I'm doing there in yeah. the sense. Yeah. She's yeah. in there ministering to the kids because And see, it just was a different. So it helped the, them both. Yeah. I, I, we first time I met her and had a meal with her and her husband. Not just her. You understand. And these men were with me. And it was I, and her daughter. It was funny, we, I had, we hadn't been talking for 30 minutes, and he asked a question about something. <laughs> I not remember what it was, something about pastoring, and I responded. And she said, uh, she looked at me and pointed and said, that's my, that's my spiritual father, isn't that what she said? And I started to say, what would you just say? <laughs> but that's what she said. And i just met her 30 minutes before. Of course, they'd read my book and stuff and been in a service or two with me, but kind of different. But, you know, I just take that with a grain of salt and see if she means it and see if she, they, they respond accordingly, you know. And I'm not trying to gather a bunch of kids under me. That's not it. I mean, I'm willing to be that if that's what they need and they want. But you see my heart? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. See, we're talking about the perfect will of God. Yes, now, you know, I could go there and just preach and not have to fool with any of that. Never, be, never speak anything like that. Hey, you're great. It's wonderful. Everything's great. Take my offering and fly home. Hey, praise God. Nothing wrong with that either. But I'm called for something beyond that. And those who will let me, I will, I'll gear it up a little for those people. Without being mean or harsh, but I'll gear it up. And then as we got talking later, we could tell, I think after Sunday night, there was some frustrations in both of them about some things. I said, well, the problem is you're not pastoring correctly. This You need to. You need to make that clear what your vision is, and you need to do this or do that. You know, because they asked me what I thought about it, I responded. I wouldn't have just jumped in the middle. Well, moving right along. Trying to. How about this one? Edification always comes, even in correction. I remember one time. uh, Do you hear me? I said, prove that. Prove that, all right. Well, I remember one time I was having an issue here. And, of course, you know, we want to treat everybody with respect. But we still feel like that. But uh, I remember I, I, I kind of laid it out. Dr. Dufresne, I was in a meeting with him in another state, another city. And I asked him, could I have breakfast, buy his breakfast. So he said, sure. So we were in the same hotel and we met for breakfast. And I was laying all this out and he's eating these eggs. I never will forget it. I said, now, da this and that and this and that. Now, what would you do? And he goes, aren't you the pastor? I said, yes. He said, be the pastor. Yes, sir. I want to eat my eggs. (laughs) And and, and he did say to me, you need to get all the parties involved in this predicament, this situation. Bring them in privately and confront it and deal with it. And so we did that. Pastor Keith was a part of that and Cynthia were a part of that meeting. They were on. They were not in trouble. They were just a part of the meeting. (laughs) to validate some things that had been said to them that were that were really in error. Right. They were the good people. They were the good people. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now the good and skinny people. <laughs> Hallelujah. But edification always comes even in correction. Amen. And learning to receive correction without offense is an imperative if you're to ever grow up learning to receive correction without being offended all the time. Now, you know, I didn't get it. When doctor said to me, because I was really dealing with a major issue here, uh, and people had misrepresented some things to some others, and then I called them up, one being Pastor Keith, and he he was not a pastor then, really, at such. You know, he was here with me in the church. And I said, you know, did you say thus and such? And he said, well, no, sir, who told you that? And I said, well, so and so. And uh, so then I called somebody else up, and I said, "Somebody said you said this, and I think it was Brother Dale, wasn't it?" And I said, "Did you say? If you did say it, well, let's talk about it." And you know, I'm trying to have vacation in Florida. It wasn't too great vacation. In fact, I think that guy owes me for a vacation because <laughs> I'm trying to have a vacation, and I'm getting all these reports and on the phone half the day, and I, you know, it's not very fun. But anyway, you know, he said, "Be the pastor." I didn't take that as like. I'm a failure. I didn't take that like I'm a bad person. I didn't take, I just thought, hey, that's right. I need to be the pastor here and get everybody that's been mentioned and and make sure we got all of our facts straight and just confront and deal with the situation. Hallelujah. And we did, and we're glad we did. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, uh, people don't quit companies or churches. They quit people. And sometimes, you know, uh, I, saw, I saw this in a, uh, in a book and then I was going to teach it, but the Lord changed my direction this morning. But then I was in another place of business yesterday or the day before about life insurance because the bank's making me get life insurance on myself. And again, remember, they're all about making sure they're covered. And so I'm in this office and there was that, there was that, what that guy said in the book on, it says, Uh, we have a lot of joy in this office when people come and sometimes when they go. (laughs) I think the quote in the book was, some people have joy wherever they go and some people have joy whenever they go. and you just have to realize no matter what how good a person we feel we are and integrous and honest and try to take care of people and love them some people are trouble mm-hmm. and they're going to stay trouble unless they correct that see they're not in the perfect will of God you know if you feel like you don't like anybody and nobody likes you and you're the, you're the central person and all that maybe you need to examine yourself that's right. Amen. you look at everybody and think everybody's out of whack and no, that's, that's right. you know stuff like that I mean, you can't be everybody's best friend, but you ought to have a few friends, and uh, you ought to feel, hallelujah, Hallelujah. (laughs) talking about being in the will of God. Let's go to Ecclesiastes. I I didn't know I was going to go this direction exactly. I'd studied all week along a different line, actually. And I got in bed last night and laid down, and the Lord started talking to me, and I got up and got a pad of paper and wrote some things down uh, and got up this morning with a little different... Uh, attitude maybe about well maybe I need to go in a little different direction this morning I'm just trying to follow the Holy Ghost remember we're talking about being in the perfect will of God Mm -hmm. so here in Ecclesiastes 10 some of you have heard this scripture before I was on an airplane going somewhere and I I was studying material and this scripture came up and I I never will forget I I was sitting in that seat and the Lord revealed this to me it says verse 4 Ecclesiastes 10 4 Good buddy. If the spirit of the ruler, if the spirit of the ruler rise up against thee, notice that it didn't say he was right or she was right. Didn't say they were wrong either. But if there would be a confrontation where the spirit of the person over you rises up talking about in the church now, particularly leave not thy place. Now notice that term, leave not thy place. In other words, the implication is you had a place and I would add this thought into it. If it's thy place, it's a place of safety and security and growth and increase. Remember, G- another, you know, stay with me in Ecclesiastes, but remember Jeremiah said, he will bring you to your folds, to their folds, T-H-E-I-R. You've got to get in the right fold in order to have the results of Jeremiah 23, 3 and 4. You remember, I've taught that a lot of times here. You know, there's five things, increase, fruitfulness, no fear, no discouragement, no lack. But if you're not in the right fold, you could be being taught something and somebody could be up here preaching to us. Or I could have a spiritual father, but if I'm not with the right spiritual father, then those five things are not happening for me. So I think when it says, leave not thy place, there's implication in thy place that you had a place where God placed you. But now there's a confrontation because something was said or done from somebody over you and it's irritated you or made you feel like retreating or make you feel like running off, and it says, don't leave. In fact, in that meeting, and Pastor Keith and Cynthia, Miss Dale and Arlene over here, Miss Arlene and Dale could say, and they could, vow, and my wife, they were in that meeting. I begged this couple, I said, please don't leave me. I, I think that you need to be in the church, but... Right now, I can't trust you because you violated the covenant and you've said things and it's been proven in front of these witnesses you lied about something you said they said and they never said that. So, stay in the church, repent. Stay in the church and let me help you. And nobody has to know this meeting ever went on just between us in that room. Is that what I said, Diana? I said, please. I said, because if, if you take this the wrong way because of your ego or your pride... It'll drive you right out of the church. I'll give you two or three weeks and you'll be out of here. And you know what? They took a... Na- and, and, and you know, all they had to say right at that moment, you know, the, the wonderful words that they could have said, I'm sorry. But they took an attitude. Well, I can't believe you're talking to me this way. Arrogant. Arrogant. Like they're not only my equal, they're superior now. You know, that's their attitude. And I, I said, well, I'm the one that gave you the authority you have in this church. I'm the one that promoted you because I felt I could trust you but you not only in the violation of this incident here I had my stuff listed and I said you will be quiet while I talk and then I'll give you appropriate time to respond to the charges you did this and you did this and you said this and you did this and you acted this way And who do you think you are I did ask you to run this department not run my life I'm still the pastor. You, you got your way out beyond me in your head for, from the, your responses here to these. Things. Hallelujah. Hallelujah! I mean, Hallelujah. you know, we don't like to get to that place, and very many people. I guarantee you, you wouldn't want to have been on the other end of that. But it's just the truth, and I, because my main goal is to protect this flock. Yeah. And with misuse of power, somebody abusing power, see, that made me feel very uncomfortable that other things had been said to other people from this couple that was not licensed by me or endorsed by me. You see what I'm saying? When people talk down to their pastor and, and accuse other leaders of things that they didn't say, just flat out lied to me. Yeah. And when I question it, now, are you sure they said, now, what did they say? And I, I wrote it down. And I only wrote it down. When I got off the phone with them, I called Pastor Keene and I called Brother Dale. And I said, now, so-and-so said that you said this about me. I'm, I'm not mad. I'm disturbed if this is true. But I said, let's talk. And did you say this? No, sir. I never said. Did you say anything resembled that? No, sir. I said, now, I'm not trying to challenge you. I just want to be sure we get to the bottom of this because this person's accused you and your wife of saying this and such and, Brother Dale and Arlene. And I, I said, well, we're going to have to have a meeting. Because they both said, well, we didn't say that. We didn't say anything at all like that. Mm-hmm. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I know this is not hey, hey, sh- uh, hip, hip, hooray material right now. Yeah. But this this goes with what we're talking here. We're talking about what? Being a skilled servant and learning to walk rhythmically yes. and easily with the others. And you can tell from this story, and I'm leaving some things unsaid. Because they're just really nasty that people would be this abrasive with me as well as other leaders and assume that they were the pastor almost or beyond that really so that's not walking rhythmically with the vision of the house or everything And we're not mad in fact I told you I I was sincere of course you know naturally you're upset when people do you that way but I said listen I know I've been upset in this meeting because I think I got a right to be after what's been said and done but I love you and I'd like you to stay in the church. Mm-hmm. Don't run off and leave me. Come, come and just sit up under the word and come to pray with me. Come into prayer meetings. We were having prayer meetings back then. And, and continue to be a part of the church as far as we can take it. But you can't have the authority you once had because you violated that. Nobody That's has right. to know that but the people in this room. That's right. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But you know, they just wouldn't do it. They, they left their place. Because notice this, for yielding pacifies great offenses See? now you could take this because it says in verse 4 the spirit of the ruler rise up the ruler could have been right that or wrong they could have been correct in their assessment or they could have been a little off in that but let's be careful that we don't leave our place every time something is said or done on the other hand as a good manager or leader if you're over a department or you're over a certain area uh, you know, you need to walk uh, tenderly with people, too. And 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 based on what I've already told you, because at least you think that I just got all irate about something in the moment of time, this is something that built up over about two or three years. Little things that were said in, in uh, meetings with the other leaders and things like that to put me down. And these guys can tell you and the board can tell you less and others that were on the board back then still are. I didn't defend myself. I didn't act a smart aleck back. And, but there were little insinu- insinuations that, well, you know, da 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 da. And um, anyway, it was inappropriate for a person to act that way. That's right. Amen. That's right. So, anyway, we're just talking here a minute. Amen. So, we're talking here about what now? Edification always comes, even in correction. See, we were trying to help this couple to stay in the church and stay connected, but they decided to take an offense about it and get uppity. And, of course, you know, oh, my goodness, then all the stuff in the community that was said about me later. And, of course, not only did they leave, then all their family left, and then other people that weren't even their family took the offense of them. And Miss Liz was one of them that defended me when one of these other ladies in my church, who, by the way, we had helped... Uh, quite a bit and Donna could validate that I won't mention the person's name came to Liz back here in the hall and started going off on her about how a terrible person I was and Liz says well this is my pastor and I, and I respect him and love him he's never done anything but help me and I haven't got time to hear this I'm out of here and she turned something like that wasn't it she just turned and shut it down and walked away and then she came and told us and I was glad she did and of course then that lady left and sent a nasty email and, and, and different things And people are rude and mean sometimes. Yeah. And we found out later we could have pressed charges because that person worked in an office somewhere. They had access to files that said some private information about me and were looking on there and telling other people about things about me that should have never been told public setting in the office. An insurance office, you know, different things, you know. Anyway. No, I got nothing to hide, but when things are, are private, they're to be private. There's a difference between being private and secret. That's right. That's right. That's right. I mean, you know, how, if you offended somebody down at the bank, you want them, when people march up to the teller, them telling you how much you have in the bank or how much your car cost or how much your home was or what kind of shoes you wear or what kind of ties you buy because mm. they're mad at you. That's, right. That's none of their business. That's right. See, you know, and people get hateful, and then they just, and see, you know, and you lose ground with God like that. Remember, what we got to do, we got to be quick to repent Mm -hmm. and quick to forgive. So are you mad? No, I'm not mad, but see, they left their place. When you respond, I'm just about done, I'm going to let you take a, a, a restroom break here. Hang on. When you respond wrongly and you make noise and complain like most people do, it brings the coyotes Pastor Nancy tells a story. She's a dog lover and she's got all these dogs. And God bless you that have dogs. But I don't want any. He so said, don't bring me none. But yeah, we love them. We just love them from a distance. No, dogs are fine. I had my day of dogs and that day's done. But anyway, she had a dog and she got several. And this little dog got caught in the gate, the electronic gate at, this, at the driveway there. And so it got its body caught somehow in there and was yelping. And, you know, and they couldn't get the dog out and they had to call the fire department, I think. But while this dog is yelping, the coyotes hear it and they all gather up at the gate because it's dinner time, baby. And you know that, think about it now. When you and I bellyache about stuff and start complaining, I've just tried to be honest today. I'm not complaining about any of these people. I'm sharing personal illustrations of being in the perfect will of God. And see, again, back to this couple. If they'd have stayed, and this is where God placed them, and at least when I started with them, I felt they were called to help me start the church, and they were very integrous and very upright, and part of it was my fault for promoting them too quickly. And I took the blame of that later and said said to the Lord, you know, Father, whatever part I played, if I gave this person too much authority too quick, I repent, and and, and so forth. Because, I mean, I'm not just blaming them totally. Maybe they didn't have, you know, but, but over a period of time, when things were, what do you call it, violated, and violated, and, vi- and it kept growing, then I had to somewhere put my foot down and say, hey, wait a minute, you're not the head honcho here. You're not the CEO of anything. We just ask you to... Take care of some accounting stuff. We didn't ask you to tell us what kind of paper we could buy. I'm just giving one little example. But what was I saying? Oh, but when you start complaining about stuff, see, you notify the spirit world, and the devils come, and the demons come, and they, you know, they start. And then the extra problems come on people mentally and emotionally. You know, I'm not. I'm not saying that that they're people, including myself, that we've handled everything accurately in every setting. That's not what I'm preaching here today. But I am saying that we have to learn to take some correction if we need it without being offended and running off when if God placed us here, then no matter where you go after that... And, you know, I paid attention. I don't follow up on people. I don't try to get on MySpace and find out what's going on with people. They're already crazy, in my opinion, or they wouldn't have done what they did. But the point I'm making is people respond back later to us because just in conversation different people I say well whatever happened to them or or, you know I normally not even inquiring but people tell me well you know this and that and you know their families are riddled with heartache divorce and all kinds of problems I'm not talking about just this couple I'm just talking in general terms I'm not trying to single anybody out and sickness and disease and sometimes death and sometimes all kinds of problems with their children. Right. All kinds of marital problems. And then people drinking. And, and later on we find people were drinking martinis, hanging out at the clubhouse somewhere or something like that type of thing. You know? And at one time we're just right in here praying, just as dedicated as anybody we thought at least at that moment. This is why we need to push and press and continue to press on in the things of God and learn how to take things and not let it knock us out of the race, but help us more focus us. Is this making sense? Go ahead, hon. I'm done. Brother Steve. Thank you for joining us for this message. Pastor Jacobs has been in full-time ministry for over 30 years. He is founder of Church on the Rock and Church on the Rock Bible Institute. He travels extensively throughout the United States and the world. For product information or to partner with Pastor Jacobs, please call 812-948-5906 or write Church on the Rock 4224 Mel Smith Road, New Albany, Indiana 47150.